The year was 2011. Cardinals pitcher Adam Wainwright probably came into spring training with high expectations. The season before, he pitched in his first All-Star game but was a Cy Young runner-up. Everything was coming up roses for the right-hander known as Waino. Then his right arm started bugging him during batting practice. Cut to a week later, and he was getting Tommy John surgery. He'd be out for the whole season. You have to wonder what was going on in Tony LaRusse's mind. Five years beforehand in 2006, the Cardinals manager delivered St. Louis a championship, and he was working on delivering a second. The season before, in 2010, the Cards had shown promise, but they suffered an early playoff exit. Perhaps he was hoping to build on that success, then retire on a high note after 16 years on the job. Perhaps this injury put that all into question. Oh, what little he knew. I'm Will Blackman, and this is Upsets and Underdogs, presented by WinBet. Today, we're continuing our series of stories about the greatest upsets in sports history. This episode, we're bringing you an underdog tale from the world of baseball. In 2011, the St. Louis Cardinals made one of the most astonishing runs ever to qualify for the playoffs. Then, just for kicks, they went and won it all. Stick around and hear how they did it. This show was brought to you by WinBet. The NFL season is rolling ahead, so there's no better time to get in on the action. Download the WinBet app right now and start winning today. WinBet offers unique markets like NFL yardage leaders, who will be the last team to be undefeated, team exact win totals, and a ton more. Plus, you know we got those NFL parlays. Offer subject to change, terms, conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in the state where WinBet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Jason and Randy Sklar are brothers, comedians, actors, and longtime Cardinals fans. Here's Randy, then Jason, then Randy again. I remember being in our grandmother's apartment in St. Louis, in her apartment complex, listening to Lou Brock's 3,000th hit. We were in her back room on these like little couches things. We were just, our parents were out. Our grandmother was babysitting us. It was two couches with a table in between them. The couches sort of went under the table and it was like an end table. And in the table was a radio. And I just remember the, you know, Lou Brock hit the ball off Dennis Lamp's leg and then made it to first for his 3,000th hit. And it was crazy to just be listening to it. So, you know, that was like 77, 78. That was the beginning of the consciousness of being fans and whatnot. During this episode, Jason and Randy are going to pop in here and there to share a little bit about their experiences at Cardinals fans throughout this crazy season. But for now, let's go back to 2011. Despite losing Wainwright, Tony La Russa still had some major talent on his team. They had ace pitcher Chris Carpenter, as well as weapons at the plate in Lance Berkman and Matt Holliday, and plenty of others. Of course, they also had their heavy-hitting future Hall of Fame first baseman, Albert Pujols. You had Pujols who, like, every year was over 100 RBIs, you know, over 100 runs, over 30 home runs. He was hitting, like, over 300, and he just was this perennial dude who stepped in after Mark McGuire, and he's literally the centerpiece of your team. With Pujols entering his 11th and final year in the contract in St. Louis, the Cardinals' front office couldn't reach an agreement with him on a new deal. This could be his last season in St. Louis, so better make it count. But the 2011 regular season started off on the wrong foot. 
at home against the Padres. The Cardinals led 3-2 with two outs in the ninth inning. They ended up losing the game. Then later that same night, they lost Matt Holliday for seven games due to an appendectomy. That's two injuries to key players now, and the injury bug was just getting started. One of their early season bright spots was a St. Louis local kid, David Freeze. The third baseman had a hot bat through the month of April, helping the Cards start off the season with a 16-11 record. But on May 1st, he broke his hand when he got hit by a pitch. He would be out until the end of June. See what I'm saying about these injuries? In the month of May, the Cardinals went 17-12, assisted in particular by the bats of Lance Berkman, Matt Holliday, and Alan Craig. But the injury bug wasn't done yet. It hit Tony La Russa himself, who missed six games in May with a case of the shingles. In June, the wheels started to fall off, and they lost seven games straight. Soon after that, on June 19th, this happened. Up the middle, Cosma to his left, tough play, two first, and safe, and Pujols may be hurt. And Dan, he looked like he was in severe pain. Pujols broke his wrist. He was back in just 17 days, way earlier than expected. But in the time between his injury and the All-Star break, mediocrity crept in. The Cardinals went 9-10 and 10 in that span. Despite that, at the All-Star break, they still managed to be tied with the Brewers atop the AL Central with a record of 49-43. Not bad at all, but it wouldn't last. The team kept floundering and went 20-21 in the six weeks or so after the All-Star break. All of a sudden, it was August 28th. With about 30 games left, the Cardinals found themselves 10 games back from the Braves for the wild card spot. They had about a 2% chance to make the playoffs. They were at about 1,001 odds to win the World Series. Any hopes to revive the season were on life support. In August, I typically took a trip back east with my family to my wife's parents' place in Long Island. They lived on like a little park, and across from the park was their old friend and neighbor, Sonny Staniford. This guy was the biggest Cardinals fan ever. He was like 85 years old. And anytime I'd be there, we would just talk to Cardinals. And I just remember talking to this guy and he's like, we're like, this, what are we going to do? I mean, this season is kind of lost unless something crazy happens. As fate would have it, something crazy did happen. With nothing left to lose, the Cardinals played focus. Putting in Jason Mott at close it helped too. The bats were hot, the pitching was solid, the wind started piling up. Everything clicked. Fielder right into the shift, and that's the ball game, and the St. Louis Cardinals have swept the Brewers. It is going to get spicy in September. There's a fly ball, deep left, Holiday with throw. He's got it, the Cardinals win it. Carpenter goes the distance. First pitch swinging, demolishes one to deep left field for home run number 36 on the season and an early 2-0 lead for St. Louis. Ground ball right side, this should do it. Hard fought win for the Cardinals. Ball hit deep to right field. Back goes the right fielder, Evans, and this ball is gone! David Freeze has homered to give the Cardinals the lead! And the Cardinals have tied the Atlanta Braves for the wild card lead. In September, the Cardinals went 18-8. Meanwhile, the Braves went 9-18, leaving the door wide open. 
With one game left in the season, the two teams were tied at 89-72 with a wild card spot on the line. The Braves lost to the Phillies in extra innings. However, earlier that day, he tosses to first to finish it. Complete game win for Chris Carpenter and the St. Louis Cardinals win their 90th of the season. The Cardinals beat the Astros behind Carpenter's two-hit shutout. How far could they take it into the playoffs? Their first postseason opponent was the Phillies, who boasted a monstrous collection of pitchers, including Roy Halladay, Cliff Lee, and Cole Hamels. And the Phillies had the three best like starting pitchers. like They were built for the postseason. The Cardinals lost their first game 11-6. Then in game two, they found themselves down 4-0 with Cliff Lee on the mound. But they rallied back to win 5-4. Each team traded another win. It all came down to a winner-take-all game on October 7th. Chris Carpenter versus Roy Halladay. Two ace pitchers who happened to be best friends going up against each other. Chris Carpenter came in and pitched for the Cardinals and pitched like a complete game shutout against the Phillies. Brown ball to the right side. Puncho has it. And running over, and the Cardinals have done it. When you have an ace like Carpenter, it's like anything is possible. That's what he proved in the postseason as well. And Carpenter really, on that like super run to the end, he was the guy who, who, in my opinion, who powered that from a starting pitching standpoint. Much in the same way that like a Madison Bumgarner really like drove those Giants teams and put them on his back, you could feel that happening with Chris Carpenter. And when they won that series that they really had no business winning, you started saying to yourself, wait a minute, this is a team of destiny. This is a team full of guys who are going to do whatever it takes to win. And it was exciting. Next up in the NLCS was their rivals, the Milwaukee Brewers. I just remember the Brewers kind of being that team that was just always knocking on the door. And you thought, okay, could this be their year? Just like the Phillies did, the Brewers took game one. The Cards bounced back and took game two and game three. The teams traded wins, and just like that, the Cardinals were one game away from moving on to the World Series. After two winnings of game six, the Cardinals held a slim 5-4 lead. Pujols led off the third. Pujols lines one deep to left, and there goes another home run. Albert Pujols goes deep, gets into the act. 6-4 St. Louis. I do remember that solo shot. And you said to yourself, okay, this guy's going to, he will awaken, <laughs> you know, and, and he will awaken the team, which is what he did as well. The team followed up with three more runs after that. The rest of the game wasn't close. St. Louis won decisively 16-6. Next up, the World Series, their foe, the Texas Rangers. Texas had made it to the Fall Classic the year before, but had failed to finish the job against the Giants. They were a team on the rise. The gauntlet was set. The series started off in St. Louis. After five innings of Game 1, the score was tied 2-2. Pinch hitter Alan Craig singled off Alex Agondo, allowing local boy David Freeze to score. That's all the cards would need, and they took Game 1, 3-2. Texas won the next one, 2-1, tying the series at a game apiece. While games one and two were defensive showdowns, game three was an offensive blowout. Alan Craig hit a homer, 
David Fries hit an RBI double. A throwing error led to two more runs for the Cards. The runs just kept coming in for both teams. The Cardinals soon found themselves at the top of the six with a slim 8-6 lead. Then Pujol stepped up to the plate. That is hammered into left. That ball is absolutely murdered. Crushed by Pujols. After being held hitless in the first two games, Pujols delivered. In the seventh, Pujols delivered again with a two-run homer. In the ninth, he hit a third. He finished with six RBIs. Up to that point, only Babe Ruth and Reggie Jackson had hit three home runs in a single World Series game. If you have a superstar in a playoff series or a World Series, you need at least one moment or one game where your superstar is your superstar, where that person rises up and says, I am the reason why this team is here. And I'm going to, like we said about Chris Carpenter, I'm going to put this team on my back. And Pujols did that in that game and they needed it. But the momentum shifted again. Texas took game four, four to nothing off a steady arm of pitcher Derek Holland. The series was once more tied. Game five was a weird one. In the bottom of the eighth, the score was tied 2-2. Tony La Russa called for closer Jason Mott to warm up, but he was misheard twice and Mott was never called. As a result, the Cars had to keep in right-handed reliever Mark Zepchinski against a right-handed Mike Napoli. Not ideal. Napoli hit a two-run double, and that was that. St. Louis couldn't rally. The Rangers took it, and they only needed one more to win it all. This is a team that needs momentum and we can't afford to make dumb mistakes. Look, if we lose on the field and we gave our best effort and they gave their best effort and they were just better, fine. But if you lose on mistakes and mental mistakes, not just by your players, but by your manager, that made it so hard for us. We're like, you're, you're making a high mountain even more insurmountable. It was now game six. Another elimination situation for the Cardinals. We're going to dig in a little bit deeper on this one. Let's go back to that day, October 27, 2011, which unrelated happens to be my birthday as well. So we were shooting our History Channel show, United States of America, in Denver. The day ended, and our director of photography, the, cam- the guy who was running the camera, said, hey, a friend of mine and I are going to this bar. Do you want to watch Game 6 with us here in Denver? And we said, okay. But we're like neurotic fans, and we were like, maybe it's not the best idea for us to be out in public, like just getting apoplectic because the Cardinals' backs were against the wall. You know, as the night went on, we said, all right, we'll we'll go meet this guy out. The game started off as a close back and forth. At the top of the seventh, it was tied four to four. The Rangers scored two runs and they were looking for more. It was six, four. And then Derek Holland, the pitcher gets on base. Yeah. And he's in a jacket and you're like, if this guy in a jacket scores, like we need to just leave. And so we're at the bar, he comes around to score and Randy and I are like, we gotta get out of here or else we're gonna break stuff. So I try to get my credit card back from the bar, but it's taking forever and we're stuck at the bar. And while we're at the bar, I finally get the credit card, pull out as I'm about to leave, Alan Craig hits a home run to left. 7-5 and we're like it's over this is just the way this ends it's over then we're in the cab 
get in a cab going back to the hotel and we get a text from our friend. So he's like, are you watching this? And we're like, oh my God, what? What in the world is happening? Here's what was happening. The Cardinals were getting back in it. In the bottom of the ninth, the Cardinals needed two runs to tie the game or it was all over. Rangers closed and Natali Feliz took the mound. Abel Pujols came up to the plate. This might be his last at-bat as a Cardinal forever. He hits a double. The Cardinals still have a glimmer of hope. We go back to the hotel and we're just like, let's just go to the hotel bar and see if the game is on. And we go up there and there's no one there, which is actually a better scenario for us at the Doubletree in downtown Denver. And our dad, who passed away two years before, was the biggest Cardinals fan ever in 2006. We able we were able to take him to a World Series game, his first World Series game that he ever went to. Now, he was born in 1942. The Cardinals were in a lot of World Series. He just never went to a game. We took him to game three when Chris Carpenter won three nothing against Detroit. So it was like a very it was cool that we kind of had the moment but we were sad that for this world series our dad wasn't around so there was a lot of emotion there for us joe buck's father jack buck had passed away as well this is important and significant and jack buck was the voice we grew up with listening to the cardinals he was our cardinal voice Hall of Fame announcer. I mean, to call of Ozzie Smith's home run against the Dodgers in 1985 in the playoffs. Go crazy, folks. Go crazy. Go crazy, folks. Go crazy. It's a home run, and the Cardinals have won the game. He was just an incredible announcer, voice of God type of a guy. And, and so as a result, we're actually partial to Joe Buck, too, because he kind of reminds us of him in many ways. So... Uh, Joe's calling the game and we can't we can't even hear it. We're just watching it. Meanwhile, Felice walked Lance Berkman and then struck out Alan Craig. Two outs down to the last chance to salvage a season. Local boy David Freeze steps up to the plate. Soon enough, Freeze finds himself down to his last strike. If he doesn't deliver, the Rangers win the series. We're like, this is it. I don't even know why we're still, we're literally about to walk to the elevators being like, I can't believe we're going to watch this team lose. And all of a sudden freeze just hits this rope to right field. Like, we are going nuts. We we crowd up towards the TV. The Texas fans are so mad. Everybody's coming home. Freeze slides into third in it with a triple, and it is just... Head first slide, pumps his fist. It was a great moment. It's probably one of the most clutch hits we've ever seen as Cardinals fans in an important game. I have chills. I have chills talking about it right now. In an elimination game. Oh, God, it was just insane. The game was tied at seven going into extra innings. The intensity only grew as the Rangers' Josh Hamilton scored a two-run homer in the 10th. But the Cardinals miraculously equalized. We couldn't believe that if we come back, yeah, we couldn't believe that we were coming back in the 10th inning down two runs. One run, fine. You, that's believable. But being down two and then coming back and equalizing that, you just said to yourself, okay, this we might be watching something really historic. The Rangers were kept scoreless in the top of the 11th. Then the Cardinals were at bat again. 
David Freese let off. You're playing with house money when it's tied and you're going into your half, the bottom half of an extra inning. It's home field. Anything can happen. It's Bush Stadium. It's the magic of the Cardinals, the history of the Cardinals, Stan Musial, all that stuff kind of goes. Our father, it's all, throw it all in the mix right there. And Jack Buck, I mean, it's all there. After a few pitches, the count was 3-2 to Freeze. And then... When David Freeze stepped up and hit that home run, I mean... We couldn't even hear it. We were screaming. We were screaming. We were going crazy. To walk off there in, in an extra inning game where you were down to your last out, to your last strike in the ninth inning, and he comes through there, and then he comes through again. I mean, it's maybe the greatest performance in any game. Yeah, but I think what's also fascinating and very cool was that the way Joe Buck made the call, which we didn't even hear that night. So the next day we got a little video sent to us from our buddy and he sent us a side-by-side -side video of the call of David Fries's home run by Joe Buck. And the call of Kirby Puckett's home run in 1994 that walked off in game six for that. It was 91. Yeah, 91. Joe Buck in, in 2011 said, we will see you tomorrow night. Jack Butt said the exact same thing when the Minnesota Twins staved off elimination in 1991. We will see you tomorrow night. Into deep left center from Mitchell. And we'll see you tomorrow night. The symmetry of that, the fact that Joe Buck had just lost his father, who was a major presence in our lives, in his life. We had just lost our father a year, two years earlier. It just, it was just, I can't even describe how beautiful and magical it was. The joy in Joe Buck's voice and the callback to what his father said in light of us losing our own father, it was just a beautiful moment. Finally, it was game seven. This time for all the marbles. But in the Scar's eyes, it was clear that the momentum had permanently shifted. There wasn't a question in their mind of who would win. We just knew that Texas was deflated and we were going to win this series based on that. Because you, you just can't come back after that. Indeed, they were correct. St. Louis won 6-2. to two. A team that had almost no chance to even make the playoffs at the end of August fought back from near death and won the whole thing. It was only the second time a team that was one strike away from elimination came back to win a World Series. After the season, Pujols joined up with the Angels and Tony La Russa retired, for a while at least. It was truly the end of an era for the Cardinals and it ended on the highest of high notes. 2011 was a season that defied the odds, and 10 years later, the Sklar still don't take it for granted. And Jay and I both said, we're like, we can never complain about eat no matter what happens. Jay and I were at the game this year when the Dodgers walked off Chris Taylor against the Cardinals in the one-game playoff. We're at that game, and we're watching like a walk-off in Dodger Stadium, and the Dodgers fans are going nuts, and St. Louis lost. And we still, in that moment, we're like, yeah, we still have Game 6, 2011.
Once again, I'm Will Blackman, and this is Upsets and Underdogs, presented by WinBet. Don't forget to subscribe, throw us a rating and review, and tell your friends. If you want to hear more of the Sklars, make sure you listen to their podcast, View from the Cheap Seats in Dumb People Town. You can also go to supersklars.com to check out their upcoming tour dates. Catch you next time. 